The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning this morning. I am really excited to present a chapel service for you with an alumni spin. Uh, these individuals are alumni. There's many alumni back at the booth. The alumni handing you the cookies were, or the people handing you the cookies were alumni. And so it's exciting to have that really be our focus this morning. So I've also brought two alumni additionally along with me to help elucidate some of the things we hope that you will know about what it means to be an alum of, of Cairn because you all very soon will be alumni of Cairn. So before we get started, here is one of our alumni, Brad Burkholder, who graduated in 2009 from Cairn's business program with a word about his time here and also the cookies that many of you are now digesting. Let's hear from Brad. Hello, Cairn family. My name is Brad Burkholder and I graduated in 2009. I truly appreciated my years at Cairn University and just taught me uh, spiritual disciplines and the opportunity to have spiritual family and connection. I want to give a shout out to Dr. Williams for your consistent and biblical leadership, and also Mrs. Benchner for teaching me professionalism. I am the owner-operator of Chick-fil-A at Lindell Road in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, so if you ever come on by, stop by and say hi. I'd love to meet you. I hope you enjoy the cookies we sent your way today. Have a fantastic chapel. Thank you, Brad. More on Brad later. Well, to get started, if you have your Bibles and you could turn to Acts 4, I wanted to briefly read a passage here as we get started. Acts chapter 4, and uh, I'll just briefly read verses 32 through 37. Acts 4, 32 through 37 reads, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Well, many Christians have taken great comfort from this passage of scripture and have tried even to model certain aspects of their church family or communities after it. Uh, in fact, some look at this passage and see it as a kind of example of socialism. And indeed, the believers here are sharing things collectively, but it is important to note a key difference between what the believers are doing here and political socialism or even communism. It's important to note that the government is not involved here at all. The believers are sharing this way with one another by choice. Nobody is coercing them to do so. But that is exactly probably why this is such a profound picture, because the believers love one another so well and in such Christ-like fashion and with, as verse 33b says, much grace upon them all. They are not viewing their possessions or personal gain as their primary priority, but rather the edification and support of the body and their brothers and sisters in Christ as their main end. And this, I believe, to employ a really abrupt Transition is a great illustration of one of the very unique things about what it means to be an alum of Cairn University. Let me explain. You see, 
we are not like other alumni associations. You know, in most alumni associations, the things that bind those groups together are things like tailgating and bowling nights and furry mascots and uh, catchy slogans and just plain rah, rah stuff. Now, while we do have our fair share of uh, entertaining things we like to do with our alumni, like dinners out, we just had that last night with the Alumni Council, sweet, sweet Cairns swag and merch, Ferris wheels and food trucks at homecoming, which you've experienced, exciting Highlander events, our Cairn coffee crawls around the area, and we're even thinking of one of those axe throwing things, doing one of those, because I know I love to throw sharp things, so why not do that with alumni? I really do actually enjoy that. Um, but these are not the foundation of who we are as an alumni association or alumni of Cairn or what we do. I'd argue, and I have more examples than I have time to provide here because I want to get to Andy, that the foundation of our alumni association is the same foundation of our university, its mission, which is why when you graduate and I have the chance to induct you into the alumni association, I say at the end always, and now it's time to go out and do what alumni of Cairn University do, to live out the mission for which they have been trained. And it is at that time, if we can pull up the pictures here of our, some of our graduates, at that, that time where I induct you, where you get your highly sought after alumni mugs, as you're seeing here. Look how happy these graduates are. And this will be you very soon. So look to the day when you will get those alumni mugs and persevere. But you see, there's no break in the chain of what we train you for at Cairn and what we ask of you when you graduate. But to return briefly to the Acts passage, that is a picture of the kind of Christian love and affection and care for one another that already does exist in our alumni association. It's very unique. As people support each other, they pray for each other, they meet one another's needs, and indeed, they even give financially to Cairn University to fund the very scholarships from which so many of you are now benefiting. And why do they give to those scholarships? Well, it's because they want to help you as they were helped here as students. But there's really a practical side to all of this care and concern as well, and that is what I want to turn to now, because just as our alumni ethos is made of serious, spiritual, biblical concern for one another, it also translates into a very practical opportunity to know one another and create valuable networks of Christian professionals. You know, when people hear the word networking, I think they generally have one of two responses. Either A, yeah, I'm all about that, and frequently some of our business students and others like that are particularly in that group. Or B, nope, I'm not into that at all, and I must tell you, personally, I must tell you, that along with that B category of I'm not into that, for the first 15 or so years of my own professional life, I was in that latter group assuming that networking was for people who read some of those boring business, business books with buzzwords like leanness and greatness and moving cheese. Truth be told, you can Google the cheese one later, you'll figure out what I'm talking about. Truth be told, I personally always felt like I learned a lot more about leadership from classic literature than in those books, but that whole thing could be kind of a false dichotomy because whether you're earning a BA in philosophy or a BS in business, connecting with fellow believers, yes, networking, especially with fellow alumni, is critical, not only for us spiritually, 
as we worship together on Sundays in church and pray for each other and bear one another's burdens, but also simply to know people who can help you move in and about in society. And so this is one of the main things that alumni of Cairn do as well. And you can start that today. In fact, you're about to, and you kind of have to, because you're here. So as you tap into the knowledge network of our alumni, you'll see that. You met Brad already, virtually. So if you want to know how to own your own Chick-fil-A restaurant, which I hear you have a better chance of acceptance into the CIA, than you do owning your own Chick-fil-A, but if you're interested in that, you can find Brad here at the job fair that we're hosting through the Career Center on April 1st. So stop by and talk with Brad, and you can thank him for the cookies too. Or find that alum at your church, even if she is 60 or 70 years old, and talk to her and see what she has to share with you. Or search Cairn University alumni on LinkedIn, and I'll accept your invite to our closed group of alumni and uh, that will be your assurance to me that you will finish and graduate from Cairn and officially become uh, an alum. And in just one moment, you'll hear from Andy, whom I've asked to come here. And the reason is because she responded to a monthly alumni email in which I indicated our strong passion for supporting our alumni, particularly young alumni, as they learn to manage their finances, something that she, in her experience, is really passionate about and knowledgeable in. So to sum up, to be an alum of Cairn is to be bound together in Christ with all of the spiritual and practical benefits and wisdom that is afforded to those who have given their lives over and become servants to a king who in turn sets them free. So listen attentively, please, to Andy. And if you have a question or want to talk further about anything that you have heard here today, you can send me an email at alumni at cairn.edu. I'd be happy to talk with you. And know this. So if you've zoned out for a moment, zone in for, for this. Know this, we have people right here on campus and in our networks who can help walk with you and through and talk you through to understand anything related to what you hear about what Andy is about to share. You have that network already at your disposal. Just let me know, just ask if you have questions. Plus Andy will be in the Mac and her family and her cute baby too if you want to stop by and say hello um, and uh, she'll be there, over there for lunch so feel free to stop by she'd be happy to chat with you I'll be over there too let us know if you have any questions please welcome Andy D'Angelo I'm glad I wore my heels today <laughs> I don't know if you if you can see me um, so if you can't, just listen up pretty well. Uh, as um, Nate shared, I am Andy D'Angelo. I work uh, in financial aid at Rutgers University as a director. Um, and over the past several years, I've been able to uh, work through student loans and personal budgeting with students uh, in a university setting. I did come here for youth ministry uh, and God redirected me and put me in a place where I'm in a university setting, setting now working with college students. So this is an area that he's really put on my heart um, for young adults, uh, specifically in their finances and ministering to them. Um, so today I'm going to share with you about uh, student loans and, and personal budgeting. And I know that last week you actually um, heard from somebody else, um, 
forget the, the person's name, but, um, or Evan Curry. Evan Curry spoke to you guys last week, and it wasn't planned at all uh, to be going back to back like this. Um, he had shared with you about being generous givers, even during your years as college students. And that can be very difficult because we feel like we don't have a lot of resources available to us. Um, but in order to be a generous giver, it's important for you to all look at your finances and uh, allow this to be an area where God is working in and through you, that you're trusting him and that you're being diligent in that area of your finances. So today might be a little bit of a different chapel for you than you're used to. I'm going to be more focused on uh, practical and helpful uh, information for you as students. I want to give you some resources and tools that you can use to be good stewards right now, even though you might not feel like you have a lot to offer um, or that you have a lot of money, but some tools that you can walk away from today um, to educate yourself and to prepare for your future once you leave here. Um, So yes, we'll be talking about student loans and personal budgeting. Um, So my goal is not to allow you, to make you cry. If I hear anybody crying, I don't know if it's you or my baby. But my goal is not to make you cry. Uh, My goal is to help equip you and encourage you from a practical standpoint um, of being good stewards of your finances now as students and for your future. Um, So we are called to be good givers. And in order to do that, uh, we do have to be um, serious and diligent and disciplined in the area of our finances. Um, So for me as a student, when I was here starting back in 2007, I came across my own faulty perspectives. I kind of sat in those, these ideas and things that kind of just were negative, um, even as a Bible college student, uh, regarding my finances. And so I want to share some of those with you because I think probably some of you could agree. Uh, maybe you have thought or said these things or you repeat these things regularly amongst each other. Um, some faulty perspectives that you might, you might have. Uh, so first thing, I'm a college student. I have no money right now. So really, whatever scripture talks about money, it doesn't apply to me right now because I have none to apply those principles to. So for right now, as I'm a college student and I'm poor and I'm broke, I'm not going to worry about it. Um, Secondly, this is one that kind of reigned true in my life when I was here. I anticipated working in full-time youth ministry, um, which I, you know, I told my mom constantly. She'd ask me, like, well, what's your backup plan, just in case that doesn't work out? Um, I said, Mom, I'm always going to be poor, and that's okay. God will provide. He'll, He'll provide along the way. Um, I, have, I, I have student loans and I'll be in debt forever. Um, so whatever I have left over when I'm done paying my student loans each month, I'm not going to really be able to give back that much. So really, do I have to focus on this stuff um, when the Bible talks about money and tithing and um, just being wise with money? Um, I, get a, I give a lot of my time and energy, energy in ministry. I, um, I'm devoted to serving. I'm involved in a multiple, multitude of Bible studies, and um, that's where I serve God and give back to him. So he really doesn't need my finances. Uh, and then my last, my favorite one um, <laughs> is, you know what? You're going to talk to us today about this financial aspect of being students, um, talking about having faith in God. Let me tell you, Andy, I have wonderful faith in God. Every time I... I uh, use my bank card, I pray. I pray that somehow God makes a way um, that there's enough money in my bank account once I swipe that card. Um, So maybe that's some of you. (laughs) I hope not, but maybe it is you. When you're standing in line at the Wawa with your 
energy drink, your coffee and your soft pretzel, hoping that, okay, God, you're going you're gonna to pay for this one, get me through the all-nighter I have to pull tonight, and this is how I demonstrate my faith. Um, so that's, those are just some faulty perspectives, I think, uh, that I, I know as a student when I was sitting here, I didn't really think about, about my finances, my budgeting, and all of that, because I really didn't have a lot of resources or a large income um, or family able to support me financially. And so I challenge you, if you do talk about these things, you say, oh, I'm a you know, poor, broke college student, um, Try to change your perspective, and I just want to give you some helpful resources and tools today. I picked some pictures that I think would resonate with some of you. We're looking forward to the apocalypse, um, since it's the only way to pay back those, to get out of paying back your student loans. Uh, so these are just some pictures that, I, as I was uh, preparing, I picked out just because I think they reign true <laughs> for a lot of college students. Um, so before I jump into the practical aspects and go through um, some hopefully helpful information for you guys, um, I do want to talk about just quickly um, from a scriptural standpoint, the, how the um, scriptures speak to stewardship and this aspect of our lives. It's one of the most talked about topics. One of the biggest things that Jesus talks about in his ministry is money and um, tithing and uh, just all of these things. And so the first thing that, that I think of is that the gospel itself is meant to transform every aspect of our lives, not just the ones that we find convenient, um, but every aspect of our lives, including uh, our finances. And so our, our bodies, they are living sacrifices. And so as we um, live out our lives as Christians, we are to see everything that we have um, being given back to God. Uh, so that's the, the biggest thing is that the gospel itself is meant to transform every aspect of our lives, including our finances. Um, secondly, trusting God with our finances is not blind faith. It requires actions of obedience. So when we say that we trust God's word and that we believe that it, his, it is his word breathed out to man, um, that includes some of those commandments and some of that wisdom about money. And so if you say that you trust it, then that does require some discipline. Uh, it requires you being good students of God's word, um, understanding what Jesus has taught about money, and um, actually taking steps of, of obedience and discipline in this area. Um, so it is important. I know uh, Evan shared last week about Proverbs 3, um, that we're to honor, uh, honor the Lord out of our wealth, from our wealth, because ultimately he's given us everything that we have. Uh, we we're called to be givers as God is a giving God who's given himself to us. And so that is uh, super important and such a great foundation um, for looking at these things. We are called to be good stewards of what God has given us. Again, I love this chapter in the Bible, 1 Chronicles 29. It's a good picture. If you get some time this weekend, read through it. It's a good picture that's showing us that everything we have, um, everything comes from God and we just in turn is an act of worship uh, to give back and to give everything that we have back to the Lord. Um, so those are just three really key points that I, that I think uh, that scripture talks about as far as making a good case as to why our finances, why our budgeting is so important, even as college students, when you might feel like you don't have the resources or the ability to know or really care about this stuff right now. Um, so here's a series of questions. We're going to kind of move into the, the practical aspect now. I wanted to list a series of questions. I do this oftentimes at my orientations uh, where I work at Rutgers um, to ask students right before they graduate, do you know the answers to these questions? Um, most of you probably don't because I know when I was sitting in those seats, 
I didn't know the answers to these questions, um, but I want to help you and resource you and point you in tools, so to point you to tools that can help you answer these questions. Um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. Uh, so this weekend, if, you, you know, if you're a little bored, um, go ahead and, and use the things that I uh, send out or that I share here with you. Um, I'm just going to put them up here, and then I'll go through them. So really, how much do you owe currently in your student loans, whether you're a freshman or a senior? How much, if you, many of you are student loan borrowers, I was one, my husband was also another, and we went through the same program at the same time, so we graduated with about the same amount of student loans. Um, so how much do you currently owe in your student loans? Could you answer that? Uh, how much interest is outstanding on those loans? So you borrow a certain amount and then your loans accrue interest. How much interest do you owe currently? Do you know? Um, what types of loans do you have? Uh, how much will you owe once you graduate? So whether you're a freshman or you're going to be uh, walking out the door in just a few months, how much are you going to be owing once you graduate? And what will your monthly payments be? Um, so if anybody know what happens six months post-graduation? You get a really nice letter in the mail. It's your first ever student loan payment. It's due. Uh, six months post-graduation, um, it's called a grace period. Mo all your federal loans have that six-month grace period as well as most private loans have a six-month grace period. So do you know what your monthly payment, what that fancy little letter is going to say that you owe monthly um, once you leave this place and in, are you are in repayment? Uh, and do you have an idea of whatever career you're heading in and whatever income you anticipate, do you know when you would pay off your student loans? Do you kind of have an idea? Is it going to take you the regular 10 years that they typically give? Or are you going to take a little bit longer? Or are you going to try to make a goal to pay it off sooner? Um, so I'm going to give you just generalized information right now on the different types of loans. And then I'll give you a resource as far as how to find out what types of loans that you have. Um, so just speaking, every year you should be doing your FAFSA. So if you are a continuing student and you're not graduating this year, you can actually go and do your FAFSA now. So again, more homework over the weekend if you're really bored. You can do your FAFSA uh, for the fall, upcoming fall semester. It becomes available October 1st, the, the year before that next school year. So it is available for next fall. Uh, and every year you complete your FAFSA, you complete, um, you input your information, your parents put their information in, and then it's determined to you what your financial aid is going to be offered to you through the federal government. So the FAFSA is through the, the federal government offering you a mix of federal student loans and hopefully federal grants if you qualify. So really I'm just focusing on student loans. Uh, subsidized loans are needs-based, um, so you did have to demonstrate some sort of financial uh, threshold to, in order to meet, to be offered the subsidized loan. Um, and then unsubsidized is not, is not needs-based, so if you didn't qualify for that, they'll just give you the whole amount in an unsubsidized loan. So, subsidized and unsubsidized, what, are those, what does that mean exactly? Subsidized loans uh, do not accrue interest while you're in school. Um, so as long as you're at least half-time attending, those, that subsidized portion will not accrue interest while you're, while you're in school. The unsubsidized will begin to accrue interest from the very time that you take out the loan. So as soon as you take the loan out for that semester, that loan is accruing interest. And keep in mind, you're being every year that you're doing your FAFSA, you're being offered new loans each school year. And those are separate individual loans, and they just keep adding to your total um, loans owed to the government when you, you know, you're accepting and completing the FAFSA each year. 
Um, so this is the difference. Uh, like I said, I'm going to give you a tool that you can log in and see what types of loans you have and how much you have outstanding in just a few slides. Um, the, the second one is the Federal Parent PLUS loan. So this is also a federal loan, but it's not offered through the FAFSA. Your parent actually has to go and do a separate application for this. So many of you probably know right offhand, yep, we do this every year. We ask for that Parent PLUS loan, and my parent is applying for that. So keep in mind, a lot of, they, a lot of times talking to students, they assume that once they graduate, that there's some way to transfer that Parent PLUS loan into their name, but there isn't a way to do that. That loan is completely in your parent's name, and it's only just, the money is just sent here to pay for your education, but they are completely responsible for repaying that. A lot of times, students and parents make just a personal agreement amongst themselves that as a student, you're going to pay it back once you graduate, but please keep in mind and remind your parents of this. It's helpful information for them to know. There is no option to transfer that loan to your name. Um, then private loans could be anything like a bank or an institution like Sally Mae, Navian. Uh, many of you might like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm asking them for money every semester. Um, you know who I'm talking about as far as private loans. Those are offered by multiple different agencies, and they have different regulations than your, than your federal loans. Um, so it is important if you have private loans. Um, one thing I like to mention is if you plan to continue education and get your master's and maybe even your PhD. Um, if you have private loans from undergrad, make sure you understand what the repayment terms are because if you continue through, it doesn't mean for private loans that they continue to be deferred. Um, some private loans will say, okay, you have four or six years once you take this loan and then you have to go in repayment regardless if you're a full-time student or not in the future. So it's really important if you have private loans that you contact your lender, you ask these really important questions um, and think through all of that. Um, other aid, you might have some scholarships and grants and those types of things don't have to be repaid. Um, so now I'm going to show you the studentaid.gov website. This is your number one resource right now. Like, write it down, take a picture of the screen, whatever you have to do. This is your number one resource, and this is how you can be a good steward right now, even though you might not have income. At least you can educate yourself on your current student loan debt and uh, learn a lot about what, what it is to have student loans, what your loans mean, and, and all that information. So if you have private loans, you're not quite sure who you borrowed from, you should know. You should know who you're borrowing money from. Um, but you can use annual, annual credit report to check your uh, credit report to see what debt is outstanding in your name. So to jump to studentaid.gov, this, like I said, this is your number one resource as a student. Um, this, they just actually changed it this year. Uh, the government had multiple websites. Now they've just kind of condensed everything into this one website. And this contains your loan information, how much you have outstanding in federal loans, the types of loans, the interest rates, and then ultimately who services your loans. So when you go into repayment, especially for you students that are about to graduate, when you go into repayment, you won't be paying the government directly, you'll be paying your servicer. And on this website, is where you can find out who your servicer is. Now, your servicer should be contacting you, but if you move, you might miss a letter and not, not be sure where to find that information. So you can use this to find that out. Then on the right-hand side, you'll see um, the loan simulator. It's a repayment calculator for you to, to use. Um, and you can input your information, especially if you're graduating again. I'm sorry to hit you with this information right before the weekend. You're like, I'm not, I don't want to think about this right now. <laughs> but it is good. And uh, 
uh, wise to do so. So if you want to jump in, you can play around with the simulator. Um, it, it's going to ask you questions as far as like where you live, your family size, so you can dream it up. I mean, three kids and living in California, where, whatever. <laughs> A CEO, income, I don't know. Whatever you want to input as far as estimating out your future uh, for your student loans, it's going to show you what, what you uh, will have to pay. Now, if you anticipate maybe going into vocational ministry and having a lower income and not quite sure that you're going to be able to afford the regular 10-year repayment that they, they will automatically put you in, there are options to lower that monthly payment. And so when you complete this process, just the simulator, it, it's not going to put you into any type of repayment plan. I promise if you use this, you're not going to get a bill next month like, oh, we, it looks like you're ready to pay back your debt. I promise that won't happen. <laughs> but you need to use this uh, in order to have an idea of what your monthly payments are going to be um, and kind of even lay out the, the future for yourself um, in loan repayment. Uh, so that's just some information about student loans. And now I just want to focus somewhat on budgeting. Um, so you have, uh, this tool is one of the number one tools I recommend to students. It's online. It's four easy steps. It's gradsense.org. And it's a really helpful and uh, straightforward calculator for students. It has a breakdown, steps one through four, what your income is, where your money's coming from, your monthly expenses, your annual expenses. Then it tells you like, yeah, look, things look great. Um, you'll be able to afford your lifestyle or, you know, you got to really cut back. Uh, so even if I challenge you in this area specifically with personal budgeting, so maybe you're not borrowing student loans, but I bet a lot of you are, um, it's really important to know what your monthly expenses are. Even if you're not paying for them right now, go ahead and give mom and dad a call over the weekend and say, hey, hey, hey ma, how, how much are you paying for my car insurance? How much are you paying for my, uh, my cell phone bill? How much are you, and try to get a full picture of what your monthly expenses are, even right now, because most likely you'll be spending that money when you're on your own and you're making payments for your own bills. Um, and it's a good idea to, to educate yourself and make plans and understand where uh, where your money's going, how much you're spending month to month, uh, and even the list of items there, you may not, may not consider certain things as you're building your personal budget. So I like, I love this tool. I like to use Excel as well for my monthly budget. I go through an Excel sheet, add things, update things every month almost. Um, so that's something I encourage you to do. Uh, now when we talk about our budget, we're talking about two different things when it comes to the area of spending. Spending will wreck your budget. It will wreck your budget if you are not a wise spender. So you most likely have some sort of income, whether you're working a part-time job, you're working, I worked in the cafeteria when I was here, uh, and I worked in retail as well, so I had a little bit of income, um, and I wish that somebody would have sat me down as a student when I was in your seats and kind of talked to me really directly about this stuff. Um, I would have reconsidered maybe some of my spending habits back then, uh, but it's weighing out your needs versus your wants when you're looking at your budget, especially when you're laying it out on paper, and then also when you're out shopping or, or whatever, um, do you really need what you're spending the money on? Or is there a cheaper option? Or do you, can you live without whatever, you know, wherever you're, whatever you're buying or wherever you're spending your money? Um, so I always encourage students, you know, have that personal conversation with each other or take somebody with you when you're shopping to hold, hold each other accountable. Uh, do you really need it or do you just want it? Um, so just think about those things as far as when you're, when you're shopping um, and building your own budget. Are these needs or are they just wants? 
Um, I like to give these as examples because one thing that also eats students' budgets are monthly um, subscriptions. And so you think, oh, you know what? $4.99 a month is super affordable. And also $12.99 is, and $5.99, and $10.99. That's all affordable. It's really cheap. It's all under $20 a month. I'm not really spending that much. Um, but when you add it up, and if you are subscribed to multiple things, paying monthly subscriptions to any of these things or other things that you might be paying for, you could look at in a year spending over $600 just on, on these items. Um, so Ipsy is makeup, guys, just in case you weren't aware. <laughs> it's a monthly makeup subscription. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Uh, look at your budget even now if, if, with your homework this weekend. If you sit down and build your budget, look at the things that maybe you could cut out um, and, and save money in. For me, the biggest thing, my biggest weakness is coffee. And so, some of you right now are like shoving that coffee cup a little bit behind your seat, like don't look, don't look. <laughs> I, <laughs> my biggest weakness is coffee. Uh, and so if you're just going three times a day and getting that small fancy latte, that could cost you 425 three times a week. And if you're doing that three times a week, maybe some of you are doing a little bit more. You're like, I know that. My classmate comes in every day with a cup. Um, I know who they are. <laughs> uh, it's going to end up costing you a lot of money compared to making coffee on your own um, or opting for a much cheaper option, just a small, regular coffee. Uh, but this is one thing I like to share because over, over four years, you could spend close to $3,000 on coffee. Um, some other helpful tools uh, that I like to share as well is anywhere you're shopping, um, look at the apps that are available. I know Target, when you go in, you can scan any item you're about to purchase, and if there's any savings, it'll take it off for you, and then you just scan your phone when you check out, and they'll take off two, five, ten dollars, whatever the sale items are. Um, and Retail Me Not is one I personally use. I don't go into a store or shop online without looking for like a coupon or a coupon code to use, so make sure you're doing that. And then on the right-hand side, there are, there's uh, Pocket Garden Mint, which helps, um, helps you budget regularly. Uh, now, this is not instruction for you to be like, oh, she was talking about that Target app. You want to go to Target after this? And I got to grab some things. Let's see how much money we can save. Don't do that. <laughs> that is not the purpose of me sharing this information. It's just to help you along with whatever your needs are that you're shopping for, maybe to save some money along the way. Um, I'm old school, like I said, I like to use Excel, so I don't use either of the apps on the other side, but if you, if you are more tech savvy and you like, um, like an app, those are options as far as tracking your spending. Um, and I always encourage students, evaluate regularly, look at your monthly spending, and um, make sure that you are aware of where your money's going. I host for young adults in my house something called Brunch and Budget. I feed them brunch, and then they come with their laptops and open up their bank account statements, and they look over the past three months uh, of their spending, and we go through it, and we look at how much are they spending on entertainment, how much are they spending on coffee. So it's a good practice if you're curious. Maybe bust out the computer over the weekend and open up your bank account and uh, add some of those things up and see where your spending's going. Um, so just to end, uh, why does this matter? Practically speaking, if you are taking student loans, if you're able to work and save some money and maybe put more money toward your tuition bill than borrowing so much, um, that'll help reduce your overall indebtedness. The less you borrow, the less interest that accrues, um, and no one's going to do this for you. It is going to be your responsibility. Maybe mom and dad do your FAFSA each year, but they're telling you that after you graduate, it's all on you. It is so important and vital for you to, to think about this stuff now, educate yourself now, and don't ignore it. Um, like I said, those faulty perspectives are so easy to fall in, and it's so easy to just ignore while you're here, uh, and I know I did it. Um, 
and thankfully God put me in a path to learn about it. It became my job. I had to learn about it. Um, and so I hope that you guys will make that decision to, to educate yourselves on your finances. Um, and then spiritually speaking, Jesus has set us free, right? So if you don't take your finances seriously and you don't look at this as a perspective or a, a thing in your life that God is supposed to be in control of and ruling over in your life, um, he didn't leave you for a, uh, to be in a yoke of slavery to feel um, uh, burdened by your death or burdened by finances. He uh, wants to be in control of this and essentially he has set us free. And so that's the goal is that we would trust God, um, but also living wisely. Um, and then we are commanded to be good stewards and give generously. You can't give generously if you're not good with your finances and if you have no plan for them. Um, so I do encourage you, uh, this was really quick and, and a lot of information all at once, but I do encourage you to use these resources, use these tools, come and talk to me at lunch, at the, at the MAC during lunch. I'll be happy to answer any questions, especially for some graduating students if you're just bombarded and you just feel overwhelmed. I'd be happy to, to talk to you and point you and show you some things. Um, but that is all I have and I just wanted to say thank Thank you. I'm going to pray really fast and then it's time to go. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity and just the, the time to be here before these students. I pray, God, that you will be uh, with each of them. God, that you will use uh, this area of their lives to just make yourself known and build great testimony uh, and give them amazing stories of how they trusted you and they were diligent and wise um, in their finances and allow it to be a blessing and allow it to further your kingdom um, here and now through these people. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys.